0: Good morning, church family. How's everybody doing today? Say, uh, reach over to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for blank. I'm thankful for this. Tell them that right now. Now reach over to your other neighbor and say, I'm thankful for this and fill in another blank. Now, if that was difficult for you this morning, we're going to help you out because we're going to talk about the seven spiritual blessings we have as believers in Jesus Christ. Of course, we're in our second week in Ephesians. We're going to go through that entire letter, and I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. In your pew Bible, that is page 1,131. I want us all to be there in Ephesians 1 with your Bibles open. And I just want to also mention, if you're a guest with us this morning, Stephanie mentioned it. I'll mention it again. We have a connection card in the pew in front of you. Please fill it out. If you have prayer requests, you can fill that out. It's a way for us to get to know you. It's a way for you to ask questions about our church family and our ministries and how we can best pray for you and your family. Uh, in addition to that, we have offering envelopes in the pews and you can place them in the offering plate at all the doors as you leave this morning. That'll be a way in which you can also worship with us. And then finally, uh, I haven't mentioned it. I didn't mention it last week, but we now have sermon notes. OK, so sermon notes are on the back side of the order of service. And if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes uh, during my message, well, that's where you can do that so with that let's uh, let 's kick into what we discussed last week and here up on the uh, screen is a map of Ephesians or Ephesus and it 's in the western um, the western uh, coast of Turkey and uh, this is one of the churches that Paul planted during his missionary journeys. He spent two years there it was a very popular city. It was very populous. It was a large metropolis right on the ocean, uh, right on the Aegean Sea there, and so therefore it was, uh, there were a lot of people there. And Paul planted uh, a church there in Ephesus, and while he's in a Roman prison in 62 AD, he writes back to this church in Ephesus the tender letter that we have before us this morning. As we look through Ephesians, I want us to just kind of see where we're headed, Remember last week I said that the first three chapters are what we believe. What we believe. And of course this is what Paul's writing to the Ephesians, what the Christian faith is all about. And then the second half of Ephesians in chapters 4 through 6 are how we behave. In light of what we believe, how do we behave as the church, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so this week, we close out the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, but then next week, we'll be finishing out the first chapter, our knowledge in Christ. How do we become knowing, knowledgeable of God's plan, not only for our lives, but the life of the church, and in fact, his divine plan for all eternity? And then, of course, the following week, we'll be talking about salvation, but that won't happen until after uh, Easter, and let me just kind of share with you that the Passover is uh, Passover Sunday or Palm Sunday. I'm sorry, Palm Sunday is uh, April 2nd, and then of course Easter Sunday is April 9th. And I'm going to be asking two questions during those Sundays. The first question is, Who is this man? Who is this man? We'll answer that question on Palm Sunday, and then on Easter Sunday, we will be answering the question, What? is truth? What is truth? This of course is the, the question that Pilate asked Jesus after he met with him. And it is a question that we in 2023 need to answer because there is indeed absolute truth. And we're going to find it in the word of God on Easter. So that will be an opportunity for you to invite your friends, your neighbors, and those around you, those you work with. So with that, let's look at a review of last week and the four spiritual blessings. And if you don't mind, stand for the reading of God's word. I'm actually going to begin in verse 3, and then we'll go all the way to 14. And it'll be a way for us to kind of review uh, the first four blessings, and then today we'll tackle the final three blessings. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. In the heavenly realms, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless. Before the foundation of the world, God decided that all of those who are in Christ will be holy and blameless. In his sight, in love... Verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. And so we are adopted into God's family. And when you came into Christ, God, he, he gave you the spirit of adoption. That is, that you are now part of the family of God. And that's what you were predestined for. And then, of course, he says, as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the third spiritual blessing. Redemption in the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. And then it goes on to say, That he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. So he has enlightened us. He has given us his word to enlighten us to the mystery of his will. And we learn that the mystery of God's will is repeated for us in Ephesians chapter 3. Where it says, now the kingdom of God is made up of both Israel and Gentiles who place their faith in Jesus Christ. And then he finishes out in verse 10 by saying, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Praise God and hallelujah. But he goes on, and now we see the final three spiritual blessings we have in Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for these spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Christ. Help us to reflect on them, to meditate upon them, to remember them. Even in times of trouble and crisis in our lives, Father, we can think of 10,000 reasons to praise you for all that you are, all that you are doing, and all that you will do in and through your church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue our list and we see here in verse 11 the very first uh, or the fifth now spiritual blessing that we have in Christ. I just read the NIV here where it says in him we were also chosen. That's a poor rendering of the word that's used in Greek there. Most other translations say made heirs or obtained an inheritance. And so if you have a version of scripture down there, if it's NIV, there's actually a textual note under verse 11 and it says, or were made heirs. And so now we understand really the spiritual blessing here. In him, we were also made heirs or we obtained an inheritance, an inheritance in Christ, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. And so we see here that the fifth spiritual blessing is to receive an inheritance. Now we haven't received it yet, it is in heaven, it is waiting for us. And it, an inheritance is really to receive an irrevocable gift. It's irrevocable, it's ours. When you come into Christ, You have an inheritance that is assured of yours. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus in his Olivet Discourse actually talks about the sheep and goat judgment. And in the context of that passage, these are the words we read. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Take your inheritance. And what is that inheritance? The kingdom, the kingdom. Blessed are the meek, for they will see the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will obtain at the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who persecuted, and they will be in the kingdom of God. This is what God has promised all of those who are in Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Now I commit to you, to God, and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Notice that sanctification is being holy and blameless in his sight. To be set apart, to be made holy and blameless, we are sanctified. Those who are sanctified will be the ones who receive the inheritance. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 18, we read these words. For if for if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. It no longer depends on the promise. But here's the key. But God, in his grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. And so now you know why I asked Albert to read Genesis chapter 15, one of the more important chapters in the whole of the Bible, because it's where God tells Abram, look up into the star, look up into the sky and see the number of stars. Try to count them if you can. So will your offspring be. In Genesis chapter 12, he had told him, I I will bless you and all nations will be blessed through you, Abraham." And it says in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Belief. It's the same way we come into the family of God in the New Testament and beyond. By faith. By faith. It is not by works, you see. And so that's what Galatians is teaching. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, "...and give joyful thanks to the Father." who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light. So again, once again, we see that it's the holy people, holy and blameless, sanctified, set apart. When you are in Christ, God declares you holy and blameless. Not because of the works that you've done, but for the one finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. In First Peter Uh, chapter 1, Peter really uses the same motif as Paul does. He says, blessed is the Father and the Son, and then he goes on to say, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance. You see this? An, An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, Do you see that? It's kept in heaven for us. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So you notice that salvation is not just an event. It is also a process. And it will culminate in the afterlife in heaven where we will receive our inheritance, where we will be fully adopted into the family of God. Our bodies will be redeemed. We will be regenerated fully. We will be like Christ. We will take on a new body, imperishable, incorruptible, immortal. How many of you want a new body this morning? I want a new body. Yes, I can't wait until that day when I am given a new body. That's part of the inheritance that we will receive. So that's the fifth spiritual blessing is a new inheritance that is available to us. And then the sixth spiritual blessing, it's not hard to find. It's right there in verse 13. Look at what it says in verse 13. And you also were included in Christ. When? When were you included in Christ? When you heard the word of truth. What is the word of truth? the gospel of your salvation. You see how easy that is? When did you hear the word of truth? When you heard the gospel. When the gospel came to you, then it says at the end of that chapter, in the end of that verse, having believed, having believed the gospel message, then what happens? You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Praise God. He does all this work for us. He gives us justification. He gives us his spirit. He gives us the ability for us to continue in this life, progressively growing in the likeness of Christ. So when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. But we have to pause here. We have to make sure we get the order right. You hear the word of truth. You hear the gospel. That's why it's so important Annie Armstrong Mission Offering is to let every person in America hear the word of truth, to hear the gospel. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you know people who are far from God this morning? Do you know people you work with, people in your neighborhood, people at your kids' sporting events, kids at your daughters' play at school, people that you uh, are in community groups with, Do you know people who really need to know the love of Jesus Christ? Our job, our job is to go and tell. To go and tell. And every one of us has that opportunity. You see, because when you share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit, who's been working on this person all their life, helping them to understand that no amount of effort No amount of work, no amount of good deeds can ever get them into right relationship with God. Do you know the biggest lie that Satan has told this current generation? Well, I'm a good person, so therefore I'll go to heaven. But the Bible's very clear. No one is righteous. No, not one. We are all sinners. We are all sinners. We were born into sin. We inherited the sin nature. And all of us choose willfully to disobey the statutes and commands of God. All of us are sinners. There is no way for us to be made right with God except through the one who himself knew no sin but was made sin for us, Jesus Christ. Now, some would teach that God has to, because they believe that you are so far from God, you are so dead in your transgressions and sins that you actually cannot... You don't even have the ability to receive or understand the gospel. I think that's taking it way too far. You think about it. There are atheists in this world who do good works. They give money anonymously to charities. I would imagine that it's not just Christians who would run into the middle of Highway 17 to save a toddler who had wandered out into 17. Any person, whether they're in Christ or not, would want to do that. That's a good work. People do good works. And what Paul was saying in Romans 3 is very clear. All of us have sinned. There's no one who is righteous because righteousness is only complete right standing before God. All of us are sinners, and that's where Paul was getting at. But the fact is, is that God has given us the ability to respond to the gospel, lest he wouldn't have given us the Great Commission. If Jesus had not given us the Great Commission, I could understand it. Because if God had determined before the foundation of the world who will be saved and who will be lost, well, then what's the point? What's the point of missions? What's the point of going and telling? What's the point of witnessing and evangelizing? Frankly, if you go even further, what's the point of prayer? Why do we pray? If God's already set it up, you'll wound it up, and he's letting it go. No, that's not what the Bible teaches here at all. The Bible is constantly drawing people to himself. But there are many who reject that. In fact, we learn in the Old Testament from Ezekiel. This is God's heart. He says to the people that Ezekiel is writing to, he says, repent. Repent. To repent means to turn from your sin and walk toward God and live a life in him. Repent. Turn from all your offenses. Get a new heart and a new spirit. And then get this. For I do not take pleasure in the death of anyone. You all hear that? The Bible says God is love. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If God is love, he does not take pleasure in the death of anyone. Anyone. Therefore, he has made a way for all to come to him. Jesus' very first public words. How many of you have read through Mark? Some of you are coming on Wednesday night. I challenge you to read the book of Mark. How many have done it? Several of you. Okay, Mark uh, begins with these words. Jesus's earthly ministry, his public ministry, begins with these words. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. That's it. That's the call. The same call as in Ezekiel. Repent and believe. The same call to Abraham. Repent and believe. The same call to all who would follow Christ. Repent and believe. This is what we are called to do. Now, it's funny because if Jesus had had said this, then why didn't he say it this way? Wait for God to regenerate you, to wake you up, to give you the faith so that you can believe that's what he should have said by some who teach that you have to regenerate, God has to regenerate you before you can believe. It makes no sense whatsoever. No, the fact is we are to repent and believe because the gospel call is from the Holy Spirit to our heart, and the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let's face it, folks. Love is not love unless it is freely chosen. Love is not love unless it is freely chosen. God doesn't want a bunch of robots. He wants you to say, yes, I receive your free gift of eternal life. I trust in Jesus Christ. When you do that, he will save you. Now, does everybody receive? No. No, throughout the New Testament, we see scripture after scripture after scripture talk about how the gospel was presented and people refused or rejected that gospel. And look at what it says here. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is an Old Testament quote quoted many times throughout the New Testament. The stone the builders rejected has become the the cornerstone. That's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ, and he was rejected by his own. Luke 7.30 says this, The Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. They rejected God's purpose for themselves. John 3.36 says this, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. John 12.8, There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. Romans two eight, but for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. 1 Thessalonians 4.8, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. John chapter 5, verse 40, Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Acts nineteen four. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, the way were the earlier followers of Jesus Christ. And then finally, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10, we read these words. They perish because they refused to love the truth and so be saved. So my question for all of us this morning is, do we all have a choice to follow Jesus or not? We do. The scripture is very clear, but it also says that some will refuse. Many will refuse. Over and over and over again, when the Samaritan woman actually uh, went to testify in her hometown, there were three responses. Some scoffed at her and rebuked what she was saying. Some wanted to hear more information. They delayed, and then some believed. In the same way, Paul, when he went into the Areopagus in Athens, after he gave his testimony, his gospel word, what what happened? The people then, there were three responses. Some of them believed. Some of them wanted to hear more. And then some of them rejected the gospel. They rejected the message that Paul was giving to them. And how about Jesus? Even during his life, you can imagine this man has performed all kinds of miracles. He has healed all kinds of sickness and disease. Jesus spoke with such great authority. He gave sermons that caused people's hearts to be moved. And yet, many times, people laughed and said, I can't, I can't follow this guy anymore. They walked away. They rejected the, the very Messiah who had come to them the good news folks is that when it says and you were included in christ when you heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation having believed there are many that believe all of us in this room or many of us in this room believed you know that's the faith that accesses the great gift of god's salvation in acts chapter 4 verse 4 it says this but many who heard the message believed In John 20, verse 31, John gives kind of the purpose of his entire book. Why did I write this gospel? He said, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. So you see the order. You believe and then you have life. You believe and you receive the Holy Spirit. You believe and you are now entered into Christ, included in Christ. In Romans one uh, one sixteen, it says this: For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. Praise God. Romans ten nine. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have to believe. You have to place your trust in him. Are you earning your salvation by believing? No, you are simply receiving the gift that God has given to you. In Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word or the message of the gospel. And then it asks several questions. Well, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they believe or place their faith in the one hearing unless someone comes and preaches to them, tells them the gospel, tells them the good news? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Guess what? Ashley River, you are the feet of the gospel. You are the hands of service. You are the eyes of Jesus. You are the heart of God. You are the one who God is going to use. Isn't it amazing? God could have done it all himself. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need the church to accomplish his redemptive plan. But he has chosen to use the church, broken as we are, to go and tell the greatest news we have ever heard. Heard. I don't know about you, but I should be we should be jumping up and down. Put me in, coach. Put me in, coach, put me in, coach. For the rest of your life. That is your primary goal. Yes, you should live. Yes, you should pay your mortgage. Yes, you should drive around town looking for something to eat. Yes, you should make friends. Yes, you should go to movies. Yes, you should read books. But believe you me, the word of God tells us that our number one mission is to go and tell. Amen. Amen. John, James 1.18 says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruits of those he created. He gave us this beautiful message of hope. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, it says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Through faith. Through faith. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise God and hallelujah. The next one, the last one is verse 14. Look at what it says there. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Having believed, you were marked in him with the Holy Spirit. Notice the order. Belief. And then you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not like God gives you the Holy Spirit, regenerates you, makes you born again, makes you have faith in order for you to then believe. No, He has given us His word, the gospel of truth, and our response to it. We are all men are responsible. We're all responsible. You know what it means to be responsible? That we are, in fact, able to respond. Able to respond. In Romans chapter 1, it says God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature are such that men are without excuse. No one, no one gets a pass. No one can say, well, I don't know about this God. Really? Just look around. You see, all of creation, there is a God, a, design, a divine designer, an intelligent designer And when you start to seek God, when you start to search him out, he will show up for you in ways that you never knew it. And the Holy Spirit will work on you because the Holy Spirit works on all of us. And life circumstances will bring us around to a place where we realize we can't do this thing on our own. We need something more. There's got to be more to this life than what I'm going through right now. And so that is where God has opportunity. You see, our adversity is God's opportunity to bring us to him. In John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, it says this, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit. Acts sixteen thirty-one. the Philippian jailer said, What must I do to be saved? Paul told him, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Praise God. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? By faith we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's very clear. When we believe, we are included in Christ and Immediately, the Holy Spirit regenerates us, makes us new. We put off the old self. We put on the new. Whoever is in Christ, right? Whoever is in Christ is a new creature. The old has gone. The new has come. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And so this Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Look at what it says there in verse 14. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that inheritance that we have in our future. Until when? The redemption of those who are God's possession. We learned last week, the redemptive work of God is a renewed body. The body that you put in the ground, that when you die, that body will be raised imperishable. It will be raised incorruptible. It will be raised for a new life in heaven with God. That is the redeeming work of God. It's the full and final consummation of this thing called salvation. You see, the Holy Spirit then, because it's a deposit, it's like a guarantee. Nothing can snatch a believer in Jesus Christ out of God's hand. We read and in in Christ alone, we we sing the words. Nothing can pluck, pluck us out of his hand. Isn't it wonderful that you're sitting in this room today and you are assured your salvation? You know where you're going. You don't have to worry each day, did I do enough today to make it into the kingdom? No, what a miserable existence that must be for those who believe other world religions. That somehow God's weighing out the good and bad of your life and hopefully you'll end up on the right side. No, when you are in Christ, then you are given the Holy Spirit as a down payment. God said that one's mine and it's not going to be taken away from me. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God. Blessed Redeemer, whatever it says. (laughs) I didn't write them down because I said, I know that I know that. But we sang it Wednesday night. Purchase of God. Heir of salvation. I love it. And then we would be remiss if we didn't realize that this first part of Ephesians 1 shows us how the Trinity is involved in our salvation. The first few are God's work. God planned it. The next few are Jesus' work. He redeemed us. He enlightened us. And he's made us joint heirs with him. God, Jesus paid it. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit includes us in Christ And then marks us with a seal, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of the body. And so we see the Father who planned it. We see the Son who paid it. And we see the Holy Spirit who preserves us, who preserved it. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go through this timeline one more time. Just so that you've got it. Number one, before the foundation of the world, God said, everyone who is in Christ will be holy and blameless before me. That's what he determined. Everyone who is in Christ will be holy and blameless. And then we're born physically. All of us, everybody in here has been born physically. And you live a life. And during that life, God uses the Holy Spirit, the word of God and life circumstances to draw us to him. And when the gospel call comes, there's a point of decision And we make that decision. We come to the cross. When we come to the cross, we repent of our sin. And we trust Jesus. We place our faith in him. We believe. Repentance and faith. And then at that moment, at that very moment, the next thing that happens is that you are adopted into his family. You are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And you are justified, declared not guilty before him. And in addition to that, you are predestined for certain future blessings. You're predestined. You're predestined to be adopted as sons, as we just read here in verse 5. We're predestined for an inheritance that is still future. It's in heaven waiting for us. And then we are predestined, it says in Romans 8, to be conformed to the image of his son. That's what we're predestined for. So anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ is predestined for those three things. And then during the rest of your earthly life, you are sanctified. You are set apart for his work. You are called to do the business of the church, to be a part of the army of God, to be a part of his mission plan. That's what we're here for. And then, of course, he secures us. He helps us to persevere. He helps us to be preserved for his future glory. And then finally, there's going to come a time when you die. All of us are going to die. We don't know when. But when we die, our spirit will go to be with God. Because when you are in Christ, your spirit goes up. And then lastly, there's coming a time when Jesus is going to come again. And when he comes again, he will bring with him his entire army of people. And what he will do is he will redeem the earth. And the earth will be melted up with the heat. And all of it will be burned and purified. And then one day we'll all live right on this earth. A perfect place. The new Eden. The new Jerusalem. We will all be there. Every single one of us who are in Christ Jesus. And the Lamb himself will be at the center of the throne. Amen and hallelujah. I cannot wait for that day. We will be like Christ. Every one of us. A new body. A new life. We will be in heaven together. Put a smile on your face. It's coming. It's coming. Get get excited about heaven because it's coming. Revelation chapter 7 says this. Every nation, tribe, people, and language will be before the throne. That's why we sang hymn of heaven. Hymn of heaven. We're all going to sing in heaven with Jesus Christ. Are you ready to sing with Jesus in heaven? Then start singing here on earth. Start singing his blessings. Start singing how he is moving and working in your life. I promise you on the authority of this book that when that happens, all your world will come into focus. He will give you a new perspective on this thing called life. It won't be hard because you'll be doing it for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the blessings we have in Christ. Oh, there are so many. These are seven that Paul mentions, but there are thousands more. Lord, help us to live a thankful life. Help us to live a life when we reflect on these spiritual blessings and we say, Father, we don't deserve it, but thank you. And even when we go through difficult times, when we traverse difficult trails, Lord, I'm going through my own journey right now. But Lord, I want to know you even more. I want to give you all the praise, glory, and honor due you. So Father, today as we we respond, as we respond, I pray if any person is in this room who does not know Christ, who does not, has not yet received the free gift of eternal life, let today be the day of their salvation. Oh Lord, I pray that you'll move in their heart to come forward and receive Christ. Father, if there are those in this room who want to be a part of Ashley River Baptist Church, this local fellowship focused on living and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray that you will move in their hearts that they might come forward this morning and join this fellowship of believers. Lord, if there are others who are just wrestling with things in life, Lord, we just ask that they'll pray in their seats or pray here at the altar as we sing this invitation hymn. And Lord, we'll, we'll do it to your glory. We'll sing loud, all of us. We'll raise our voices that all of heaven may rejoice. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's children said, amen, amen. amen. Please stand as we sing this invitation. hymn. <laughs>